Classic liberalism was an expression of Christian charity applied to social causes. But freedom from evil became freedom to do evil. Freedom from the oppression of men turned into freedom from the norms of civil living. Even business was corrupted by the miasma of toxic liberalism. Instead of being a way to respond to demand in a calibrated way, business became the demand. The business was the product and the customer the supplier. Money and making money were the business, the product, and the demand. Money became both the supply and the demand in a toxic liberal economy. When the buyer is an addict, the product is the addiction. The addict supplies the addiction or demand as a mental dependency. The business is the mental dependency of the addict for the product. An addiction to money makes money the product wanted, as measured by the money spent in trying to achieve greater profits. The addict supplies his own addiction. The drug of choice is simply a particular conveyance by which the addiction is conveyed. Toxic liberal businesses do not make drugs or social housing or do charitable work. Toxic liberal businesses make dependence. They increase the dependency and dependence. The true product of a toxic liberal business is a slave. The mission of a toxic liberal business is to make mental slaves of one's clientele. The mental chains no longer exist, but the mental chains are just as strong. Democracy seems at worst a neutral way of choosing a leader. Voting on whether to get pizza or fried chicken is one thing. Voting on who has control over the assets of the earth is another. This is even truer when your vote is neutralized by a mass controlled emotionally. Democracy can mean radical environmentalists voting for conservation in a country where economic development means bringing in millions of foreign nationals. The contradiction does not register emotionally. Virtually everyone who supports democracy and engages in democratic elections has no idea about what they are doing or the implications of an election. Elections are governed by emotion. Virtually everyone thinks an election is similar to deciding the brand of beer to purchase. Jesus and Barnabas would not take such a prosaic view of the popular vote. It was rumored that the Pharisees, knowing a vote would take place, packed the courtyard with their supporters. This sort of demagoguery is not unknown, but there is a more pervasive problem associated with democracy. It is not as visible. Most people buy lottery tickets, and most people lose. But if you were given a choice, would you not prefer to win? Everyone would prefer to win otherwise they would not buy lottery tickets. The risk of losing is great, but the benefits of winning outweigh the probabilities of losing. That being said, if you knew you could never win the lottery, would you buy tickets? What if you were told a candidate would not do anything if elected? Would you vote for him? You and everyone else would not vote for him and he would not be elected. This is why those who stand for election promise to do something for you. But what are they going to do, looked at objectively? Imagine a government that increases benefits but also increases debt much faster. For three terms, the same government increases benefits for most of the population, though debt climbs further and faster. In the fourth election cycle, the opposition party runs on the platform of a balanced budget promising to reduce benefits 100%, effectively canceling all government spending for at least their four years in office. There is no chance of them being elected, even if returning the ruling party to office means a total collapse of the economy. There are good reasons why this is predictable. 
What conservatives do not understand is the imbalance that exists in a democracy. We have become familiar with something called white supremacy and white power, but who no one talks about bigger power or demonic power or toxic liberal supremacy, though these are real and far more dangerous elements that impact elections. To illustrate the issues referenced here, imagine a couple in a dispute over housework. The wife goes on strike refusing to clean house. The husband is theoretically supposed to step up and begin what the wife considers to be his share of the cleaning. He has never helped with the housework. What the wife does not apricate is the dynamic between herself and he. The husband does not clean the house or do dishes not because he is misogynist or lazy. The man's tolerance for mess is far higher than the women's intolerance. So as the dishes pile up, the laundry not done and dust, dirt and cobwebs accumulate, the wife becomes ever angrier and more frustrated. The husband quite possibly reveals in the peace and quiet of her anger. To make the situation even worse, if friends come over, they will look at the house and wonder what is wrong with the wife. Even if they know about the problem, they will question how she lets things get to where they are. Most persons will feel sorry for the man who has to live with a woman who can tolerate living in such an ill-kept home. So, it is with elections. No matter how high the debt goes or how close to collapse the economy gets, there is a considerable number of persons who do not care or who care too little about the country's finances to allow debt to influence their political choice. The ones who would stop the debt accumulating are the ones who will be most impacted by the collapse of the economy. But they are probably the ones with the least influence during an election. They promise nothing but fewer benefits. It is the age-old dilemma of been delayed gratification and consumption. But the problem with politics is that the ones who do the most consuming, politically speaking, have no reason to delay consuming as they are living off of the avails of others. This is a problem not addressed by politicians. Even now the American media are opining about what the Republicans ought to do about their poor midterm showing. The only thing they can do is what so many other Western countries have done. They need to become closet liberals. To win elections, Republicans need to run more Democrats. Politicians need to give their constituents what they want. More and more of the people want free stuff or at least things that seem to be free. Democracy is not a neutral force. There is no such thing in civil society as a non-aligned institution, not in a society designed by and for liberals. Nor is Western society geared towards the needs of the white race. It more closely appeals to the wants of many racialized minorities, which is why they tend to be pandered to at the expense of whites. What system that caters to white supremacists would put its navy or its armed forces towards ending slavery when slavery benefited whites? Why would successive governments bring in law after law to better the lot of black people, even at the expense of their own race? There is more going on than a simple division between whites and blacks. There is no answer to why whites are in the forefront of the betterment of blacks and critical race theory. Only the white race would give up so much power and commit so much wealth to the betterment of a race that despises them. But that is the problem of liberalism. It is not so much anti-white as it is anti-normative or more prosaically deranged. What liberalism does does not make sense from a critical race theory perspective. Ultimately, liberalism is abnormal behavior perpetuated by irrational persons which creates a toxic environment for all races, peoples, and individuals who oppose them.
But once one rejects normalcy, there is no standard, no boundaries, no parameters within which one must stay. One has become the victim of toxic deviancy, otherwise known as liberalism. It is at this point that emotions take over of which hate is generally the most prominent. This is certainly a problem for conservatives, but the bigger problem is that if one is not guided by normal parameters, one must regress. Many liberals become so overwhelmed by their emotional trauma that they revert to the infantile stage of development. Democracy is a conspiracy of mentally regressed persons against normalcy, which represents parental order. It would seem to be not much of a contest. Emotion does not serve well as an organizing principle, but traumatized babes in the bodies of adults are impossible to control. Mobs only require emotional outbursts to set them off. What is normal for a liberal is what pacifies them and quiets them. With babies it may be a rattle, for liberals it might be new phones or free health care. Keeping peace in a liberal system is akin to pacifying a child. But it gets harder in a daycare. The outburst of one liberal can serve to trigger many others in a cascading wave. A life based on emotion has no grounding. It is easily manipulated, guided, and controlled. The emotional person cannot be led by reason, but they react to strong triggering factors. But if a normal is not motivated by their emotions, what is the source of our stability? The main source of normalcy is God. God lays the foundation. God is the ultimate model of normalcy. What God says is real and is therefore supremely normal. His wisdom is reality. His truth is unshakable fact. In the conservative frame of reference, the truth of God is logical. Logic is not physical, but it is objective. It can be confirmed and validated by its coherent verifiability. What is normal is what can be validated and verified. The normal is objectively validated. In simple terms, what is normal is what is validated by its own merit. The abnormal falls short of confirmation. The unit of measure and comparison of normalcy is what is known as equity. Equity is the value added to assets by normal work. Work that adds value to assets is normal work as is self-validating. Work simply means we add value to an asset to make raw materials more conformable to the needs of man. This is what validation means. The market validates the work's level of normal worth. Adding value is done through a process called specialization. Men learn trades and skills and applies the technique to a substrate, turning it into a product or service. This output from skilled labor is exchanged to create civilization. The means of exchange or method of verifying value is referred to as a market. A free market is without regulatory interference being guided solely by supply and demand. The proviso is that all costs are contained in the price of the goods and services and no costs are externalized. Unregulated markets create a normal or civil environment and over time, civilization. Simply by preventing the externalization of costs onto society and future generations, toxic liberalism is halted. Normal acts and actors do not externalize costs. All externalizations are deviancies from the norm. In this sense, normalcy is a cash economy peopled by specialists. Each person does what they are best at and exchanges the product of his labor with his fellow norms or citizens. A citizen being a resident of a civil society and therefore not a subject of a state.
Being a victim or subject of a state defines the person as a deviant and as a toxic liberal. As the Bible tells normal, come out of her my peoples, and be ye separate. This is not contingent or relative. It's an absolute commandment of God spoken to his people. Those who do not listen are not of his kingdom.